Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would help us tonight. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that will receive the message that you have tonight. Lord, I thank you that you are leading us, guiding us. Lord, that you teach us and instruct us. Lord, we ask that you would open your word to us tonight, and we pray that your spirit would teach us the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, Wednesday nights and Sundays, Sunday nights, we have been going through the book of Genesis. And although I'm not going to be preaching from the book of Genesis and continuing an expository of Genesis tonight, I am going to reference where we left off, okay? Because we left off in Genesis chapter 12, okay? We're going through there slowly but surely. But I wanted to go back. I wanted to stop for a moment and talk about the call of Abraham, okay? And then I want to disseminate from the call of Abraham the call of the gospel. Amen? We noted that Abram, and he's not Abraham yet, he's Abram, right? Can I get amen on that? He's Abram, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, amen, that's the, that, that's the great chapter that says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not believed, or yeah, that, you know what I'm talking about. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, right? So we understand that Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about faith. And then it talks about Abraham. It says, Abram, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. And it's talking about this part, amen, where God told Abram, get up out of your father's house, out of your own country away from your kindred and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Amen. Now the reason that I'm bringing this up because this portion of scripture rightly applied to the Christian life is this. God does not call you out of a place for you to stay there. Amen. Now why is this important? Because we live in a generation of people who say well you know uh, it's my choice what I do. Now I'm gonna, I, I, might, I might say some things that may be offensive to you, but the reality is the Bible is not unclear about homosexuality. Amen? And when we have the conversation, if somebody goes, well, you know, I was born this way. Guess what? Every single person on the face of the planet was born into sin. Okay? Homosexuals are no different. You're right. You were born into sin. But guess what? Just like, just like I had to be born again, just like Carmen had to be born again, homosexuals must be born again. Amen? God doesn't call you and say, hey, it, this is the modern gospel, okay? This is what I want to give you. This is the example of the modern gospel. God loves you, and you are just so great and so loved by God that God wants you to, to know that he loves you and he's okay with you. That's not the gospel. But that's what we hear on TV. If you watch, I watched a video of people going around uh, evangelizing. And that's what they did. Do you know that God loves you, man? He's so in love with you. God just wants you to come to him. Now that's all true. God does love people. But God's not okay with sin. God's not okay with us being in sin. God hated the fact that we were in sin so much that he sent his one and only son to die to redeem us from the curse of sin. That we might live holy and acceptable lives unto him, which is our reasonable service. Isn't that a scripture? Kyle, you need to be amen in this because this, this whole message, I realized right after we talked, this message is, is down here in parts of this. It's going to be about what you're talking about, what you're struggling over, okay? Because the realities, the realities of what we have been preached for years now 
all grace, no judgment, no cross. I even hear it on all the time. Oh, I can't preach about the cross. It's offensive. Kyle brought that up in our discipleship class. The cross. Oh, no, that's too, that's too, what, what was the term they used? It was ugly. The cross was too ugly. We need the cross. If we don't come to the cross, we don't have anything to do with Christ. Amen? We've got to see ourselves the way God sees us in need. If we don't tell people that they are bound up in sin and need to be free, then we're not preaching the gospel. Amen? God calls Abram out of the Ur, out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he calls and he says, you leave your own country, leave your own kindred, leave your father's house and go. Now us Christians, we have, if you're born again, the Bible says that you have to leave all that you have and follow him. Amen? Now does that mean you have to give up everything? No, it doesn't mean you've got to give up your house unless God tells you to. Then you probably ought to listen to God, okay? But you have to have a heart that says, God, there is nothing more important than you. There's nothing that's uh, first place above you. Everything in my life takes second place to you. That's the gospel. That's the calling of the gospel. The calling of the gospel doesn't say, hey, uh, you're pretty good the way you are, and if you just sprinkle a little Jesus on you, you'll be perfect. But that's the modern gospel. If you turn on TVN, CBN, whatever other stupid networks are out there saying they're preaching the gospel that aren't, that's what you'll hear. You'll hear, here, I'll stay right here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting excited. You'll hear people preaching a gospel that does not call people to repentance. A gospel that does not challenge people to follow Christ. Now, I want to challenge you because I heard this term and I've heard it from people in our area. Maybe even a person or two in our church. That says this. Well, Jesus just told me all I had to do was believe. Now, first of all, Jesus did tell you, you must believe, okay? But that is not all Jesus said, okay? Jesus spoke on a great many things. And I, I, I'll bring this back up because we talked about a very sensitive subject several times, okay? That, that Jesus uh, breaches this subject pretty unashamedly. Divorce, right? Jesus approaches it very specifically, Three times in the New Testament, okay? So when we when we try to get a different understanding of divorce other than what Jesus said, what we're essentially doing is, I don't care what Jesus said. He told he also said, I, all I gotta do is believe. I can't say all he told me to do was believe. That's not all he told me to do. Amen. That's not it. Uh, we'll get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'm going to look at this. The call of Abraham is this. Get out of your country. Get away from your kindred. Get away from your father's house and go to a land I'm showing you. Every single Christian is called out of an old life into a whole new life that we might not always know where that's going. Right? Can I get an amen somebody? We don't always know where that road's going. We don't always know that there's, uh, you know, sometimes... The, the tunnel looks so long and dark that I can't see the light at the end of it. But God told me to go that way. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's, let's preach it like it's real. So I titled this Called Out because I'm dealing with Abraham's call. But now we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the gospel call. Because Abraham's call is not like some abnormal thing where God did one thing for Abraham and he doesn't do that for you and me. Amen? So go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to jump into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9. Too many Bibles, too small a pulpit. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> 
less people on Sunday night, Wednesday night, so it's a little more uh, appropriate to be down here when there's uh, intimate gathering. That's all what I'll call it. Okay, Matthew chapter 9. Look, I already turned right past it. Matthew 9, and we're going to start hmm, at verse 9, just for context. And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting in, at the receipt of customs, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him and his disciples, Why eatest, uh, why eatest your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, That, that uh, excuse me, they that behold need not a physician. But they that are sick, but go ye and learn what meaneth this, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, if you want another, uh, I wrote three more verses for this down. If you go to Mark 2, 17 and Luke 5, 32, you'll find the same, the same conversation. You'll find the same phrase, the same wording. He has come to call sinners to repentance. Amen? So the first thing the gospel does is call sinners to repentance. Amen? If the gospel we're preaching does not call sinners to repentance, we are not preaching the gospel. Amen? Now I want you to understand, Jesus sat and ate with these people. He ate a meal with them. He hung out with them. But Jesus didn't do the things they did, okay? we got to be different. We're not saying, hey, go in there and just hang out with them, do all the crazy nonsense they're doing. No, if you do that kind of ministry, you're going to end up failing in ministry. You're going to end up falling, and you're end up in a rut. Trust me. You cannot do what they do. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. Why? Because he's called us out of the world. Amen. Just like he called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldeans into the land of Canaan. Isn't it interesting that Abram goes to the very land that later on the Israelites are promised but have to wander around for 40 years before they can go in. You realize that Abram, Isaac, Jacob, all of them lived in the land of promise. Every one of them. Sin will keep you from that promise. Every time. John 3. Jesus says in John 3, 3, John 3, 5, that you must be born again. Jesus, when he calls sinners to repentance, is not just leaving them out there on their own. Amen? Can I get an amen, somebody? Because the reality is, I can't get to God on my own. I can't make it to God by myself. There's no way that this dirt suit filled with all the sin and depravity that I'm filled with could ever reach out and obtain God on my own. Can't do it. Jesus looked at Nicodemus, who knew the law, who taught the law, who was quoting the teacher of Israel. And he looked at that man who knew it, knew everything. And he said, you, you who know it all, you who are a teacher of Israel, I'm telling you, you must be born again. There's no exception. There's, no, there's not one way of salvation for this group of people and this way of salvation for this group of people. No, when, when a murderer comes to Christ, they can't keep murdering. 
Can I get an amen? When, when a thief comes to Christ, he can't keep stealing. As a matter of fact, the New Testament says, let the thief steal no more, but work with his own two hands that he might be a benefit. Come on. So how do we think somehow there's this gospel that calls Kevin O'Connor to repentance, calls Kevin O'Connor out of fornication, calls Kevin O'Connor out of a, a lavish lifestyle of living for the flesh, but somehow Kevin O'Connor has to repent of his sins and God has to come in and do a work in me and change me because I can't be left in that condition. But the homosexuals think that they can stay in that same condition. That's not the gospel. Paul, when he was speaking to the, I'm going to get this wrong. When he was speaking to the Galatians, he said, know you not that fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God? Then he said, a very important phrase, such were some of you. Notice the phrase, were some of you. Not are, not that's what you guys are. No, he said such were some of you. Why? Because the born again experience changes you. That's part of the whole, that's the whole point of being born again is I was trapped in sin, bound in sin, and now I've been set free. Amen? John 6. I don't want to miss this, okay? John 6, 44 says that no one can come to the Son except the Father draws him. Amen? So what we got to understand and what we kind of got to put back in the gospel, okay, is the fact that God the Father is calling all of those who believe, okay? Not one person who ever comes to Christ comes to Christ all by their self. It doesn't happen, okay? If it was left up to us, we would look just like the world because you didn't save you, you didn't save you, you didn't save you. Christ came in and all of a sudden you're different. That's what happens. Look, it even happens to church folks who think they already got it. Believe me, there's church folks that spent years thinking they had it figured out, and all of a sudden, God really comes into their life, and they go, oh, no. Oh, no, I spent so many years lying and feeling like a, 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 I was telling, I was pretending to be this thing that I really wasn't. Because good works don't make you a Christian. Because being faithful at church doesn't make you a Christian. Now, Christians do need to be faithful at church, okay? Because it, it's going to help your spiritual life, okay? I'm just telling you. But reading your Bible ain't going to make you a Christian. Faith in Christ and the born-again experience of God meeting you at that point. Amen? I want you to notice what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says in Matthew 7 that many will come to me in that day and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? Now, here's the kicker. There are a lot of people who knew about Jesus. There may have been very well have been people who knew Jesus, But the point is, Jesus doesn't say, hey, you never knew me. He said, I never knew you. Right? The point isn't just about me knowing Christ. It's about Christ knowing me. What does this know mean? Well, everywhere else in the Bible, when it says knew, the way it knew here, Adam knew Eve, and she bared him a son. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride. To be a part of the bridegroom, to be a bride means that you have to have intimacy with Christ. 
There has to be a real him knowing you and you knowing him. A real transformed experience or you don't have it. So what John 6.44 tells me in light of John 3. Let, let's just go through John 3.3. 3. You must be born again. Then he says marvel not. John 3.5. He says don't, don't marvel. He said unless you're born of watering of the spirit. You cannot even enter the kingdom of God. First he says you can't see the kingdom of God. John 3 and then John 5, 3, 5. He says you can't enter the kingdom of God. And then he gives Nicodemus the formula. John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19. Amen. He says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 17 says for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And John 3, 18 says... That this, those who believe are not condemned. And those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this is the condemnation that has come into the world. That men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men left to their own do not run for God. They do not look after God. They do not seek God all by themselves. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 says this. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 3, let's look at this real quick because I want to show you something. As Paul, look, as Paul is teaching the Roman Christians in verse uh, 10, he's quoting he says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Everybody hold your hand up. Everybody hold your hand up, even kids in the back. You're not righteous, not one of us. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They must use their tongues to deceive. The venom, the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and in their paths is ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Period. That's us. Outside of Christ, that's us. Genesis 6 makes it very clear that God looked at the depravity of man. He said, every thought and intent of man's heart is evil continually. That's us outside of Christ. That's me. That's you without God intervening. That's why John 6, 44 is so important. Can you hear the call? Amen? Because John 6, 37 says, anybody know what it says? All that the Father give me will come to me. And he who comes to me will in no wise, I will in no wise cast out. Amen? It's all depending on whether you hear the call or not. Amen? Do you hear the call? Let's keep going. I don't want to get stuck right there. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Yeah, I know I'm skipping back and forth between the King James and the ESV. It's just because my notebook got laid on one by one. I didn't want to move it. Sorry. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Huh. I want you to understand tonight because there's many people who get on this other side of the argument and they try to say, oh, well, only those who God calls. Well, that's a big lot of people, okay, because God's called. Okay, and you can't tell me who God's calling and who God ain't calling. So guess what? I'm going to act like God's calling everybody and let God sort out everybody else. Can I get an amen on that? I can't preach the gospel to half people and go, oh, I just don't know if you guys are in the circle or not. Okay, I can preach it to everybody. God works out the elect all by himself. He don't need my help. He don't need me to try to figure it out. He don't need me to walk around and go, I wonder if Mike's elect. I wonder if... No. 
God will choose whom he wants. That's for sure. The Bible surely says that. Amen. But I can tell you this. There's no one God chooses who doesn't believe. And God doesn't believe for you. So, I'm going to get a little context here. Let's go to verse 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whom, oh, excuse me, let me get back to my King James English. And he to whosoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God doesn't do this, okay? This is what I want you to look, look. Come here, Kyle. I'm going to use you for just a second, okay? God doesn't offer salvation. Now, go, go when, when I go to grab that, just run around like a crazy person, okay? Okay? Okay. God doesn't do that. God's not like holding salvation out here going, oh, 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 you almost had it like that guy on the commercial. You know what I'm talking about with the fishing pole? And he's like, oh, you almost had it. He's not doing that with the gospel. God takes the gospel way more seriously than we do. Amen? God's not sitting here running around trying to uh, hide the gospel from you. He's not running around trying to keep it from anybody. Can I get an amen? That's not how God operates the gospel. The gospel isn't like, oh, here, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm just giving you the gospel, but I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of, oh, you almost had it, Rachel. You almost was there. That's not the gospel. And that's not the gospel we should preach. Jesus is calling. Remember that old song? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portal, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. And then he said, come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Remember that? That is the gospel. Jesus is calling. Amen. Jesus isn't going, oh, I'm calling you, but hey, you know, if you come to me, I'm just going to throw you out. It's not what he's saying. Anyone who believes, anyone who comes, amen, there is not a person who has an inkling of love for God in their heart that it was not put there by God himself. Ever, because people who don't love God, you can see it. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. I want to go there. This is a very important verse. This is also Christ's words. And if you had one of them fancy red letter King James Bibles like I got, you'd see that this is red letters too. <laughs> I keep turning to the glossary. Man, I'm going right past it here. <clears throat> oh. Verse 12 Behold I come quickly My reward is with me To give every man according to his work I am Alpha I am Omega The beginning and the end The first and the last Blessed are they that do his commandments that they have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, 
and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and I am the bright and the morning star. Now here's the part I wanted to get to. The spirit and the bride say come. Now who's that? The Holy Ghost and the church say come. Church, if you're telling people not to come, you're not preaching the gospel. The spirit and the bride say come. Next sentence. And let him that is let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. This is the gospel. The call. Whoo, there's a call comes ringing for the rest this way. Send the line. Send the line. Why? Because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not our job to become Pharisees and to shut up the kingdom of heaven in the men's faces. Remember that? Book of John, when Jesus is in the last week of his life, the passion, the passion week, he comes into the temple and he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, teachers of the law. Because you shut up the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You don't go in and neither will you suffer anyone else to go in. You strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Wow. If that's the gospel we preach, we're not preaching the gospel. Why did I put these two verses in here about Jesus is calling? Because Christ's call is to whosoever will believe. That's scripture. Amen? I can't take that and, and say, well, what does that mean? It means whosoever will. It means that. That's exactly who it means. Whosoever will believe, okay? If you believe, if you hear the call, if you respond to the call, you're saved. That's the gospel. Romans 10. We'll get there. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him he ain't done yet. Now I want to go to Luke chapter 14. And I'm switching Bibles again. You can throw me out later. Luke chapter 14. Now this, this same phrase can be found in at least four other places in scripture. But we're going to focus on this one. And I'll give you the address for the other ones. Okay. Luke chapter 14. And we're going to start at verse 26. But 27 is the crux. 27 is the one that I'm going to tell you is everywhere else in the, well, Mark, uh, Matthew, and Luke, again, in 9.23 of Luke, it says the same thing. But uh, starting at verse 26, says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a big statement, okay? That's a humongous statement. Now, is he saying, hey, go, go home and tell your husband you hate him? No. No, he's not saying that. This word hate right here in the Greek, it, it does mean hate, but the context means you must love me more than them. And there's four other places in Scripture where Jesus says, if you love anything else more than me. So we have to take all of Scripture in context. Can I get an amen? We don't just read one verse in a vacuum and think that's what the whole Bible says. Right? So when he says this, what he's saying is you can't love your mother or father, or sister, or brother, or husband, or wife, or children, more than you love me. Even they have to take second place. Why? Go to Exodus. Well, don't go there. Just think about it, okay? 
Go to Exodus in your mind where he says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. Period. End of story. That does not change in the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't go, well, you know, we're not under law, so I don't get to, you know, I can have as many idols in my life as I want. Ain't wrong. Matter of fact, the stakes got upped in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was just a sin to actually commit the act of adultery. Amen? In the New Testament, it's just a thought that convicts the heart. In the Old Testament, it was just the act of murder that was wrong. In the New Testament, it's the very thought of hating my brother without cause that causes me to be a murderer. In the Old Testament, you had to give 10%. In the New Testament, you gotta give everything. Just let that sink in. Amen? So often, People just want to tie their time to God. When God isn't interested in sacrifices, what God really wants is a contrite and broken heart. God wants the humble, resists the proud. Amen? Let's keep reading, because that's not the verse that I even want to focus on. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, I want you to understand that verse 25, or excuse me, verse 26 has the same emphatic statement. If you have a heart that loves anything other than me first, you cannot be my disciple. And that Greek word literally means that the possessive ability for you to do this you can't, you do not possess what is necessary to be my disciple. It's not in you. In other words, you're not born again. <clears throat> I know I'm one of them preachers that is, you know, people are going to go home and they're going to turn me off here in a second and then they're going to turn Joel Olstein on and feel better about yourself. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, and there he says it again, cannot be my disciple. The born-again experience does not allow for me to go a little bit with Christ and stay there. That's not the born-again experience. Either I'm all in or I'm not in. Either I'm in Christ or I'm not. There's no middle ground. There's no lukewarm. There's none of that. Amen? You have to be, and we used to say it this way, and, and somehow in the New Testament, you know, in the new age of, uh, you know, last 20 years, people don't like this term. You've got to be sold out. Amen? You can't be pretending. Believe me, I spent years pretending. Huh. Let's keep reading, because it gets better. <clears throat> no, it really doesn't. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he lays the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to encounter another king in war, will not sit down and first deliberate whether he, had, whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Now watch this. This is where we need to sit. And if not... While the other is yet a far way off, he sends delegation and asks for terms of peace. Verse 33 is the crux. Verse 33 is the third cannot in this statement. Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That is three emphatic statements that say if you don't or if you're not willing, if you're not able to do these things, love me first. Amen. Take up your cross. Follow my example. 
Renounce all that you have. If you're not willing to do any of that, you do not possess the born-again experience. And you cannot be my disciple. Period. I know this is, this is, it's so hard when you present the real gospel that people that are lit, that have listened to the other, I know there's people watching on Facebook right now freaking out. They're like, what? What? That ain't even in the Bible. And then they go read it and go, by golly, he's right. It's right here in the Bible. Number one, you need to be reading your Bible and you'd know that. Number two, you need to know the author of the Bible and then you'd know that. James, I'm not going to turn there, okay? I'm not going to turn there. I've got a whole bunch of scriptures that I want to go through. So I'm not turning to James, but I can tell you that in James 2, 18, 20, and 26, he makes it abundantly clear that faith without works is dead. Being alone. Amen? Faith that does not produce change is not saving faith. So all these people that say, oh, I, you know, I, I believe in Christ, but there's no fruit, there's no evidence, there's no change. These are the same people that Jesus said, you're going to know them by their fruit. A good tree cannot, there's that word again, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot. Bear good fruit. Amen? Clear as day. And all of what I'm reading to you, I just want you to understand, this is Jesus' words. So for all the people who said, all Jesus said is I have to believe. <laughs> Wrong. Amen? That's not all Jesus said. Jesus said a great many things. Matter of fact, he preached the whole Sermon on the Mount. He preaches about knowing a tree by their fruit. He preaches about that. And then he says, if any man hears my words and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Now, how do I build my house upon the rock? Because we used to think, oh, I built my house upon the rock by believing in Jesus. No, you built your house on the rock by believing and doing and living the commandments of Christ. That's what he said. If any man hears these words and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Amen? I'm almost done. Tap your neighbor and tell him amen. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go there now. Okay? Matthew 7. Because Matthew 7 is the crux of the whole fruit argument. Okay? I want you to notice a few things here, and then we're going to move on. The next part of my sermon is called Knowing the Fruit of Knowing Christ, okay? But we're going to go here to Matthew 7. We're going to start at verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ooh, Lord, thank you for changing me that I'm not a wolf no more. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased trees bear bad fruit. Healthy trees cannot bear bad fruit, nor can diseased trees bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Ooh, that's a big statement. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out devil, uh, demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness now the King James says iniquity which means the same thing lawlessness amen you don't get to just come to Christ and live how you want 
That is not the gospel. And if that's the gospel the church wants to preach nowadays, I'm going to stand up every Wednesday night and every Sunday night, and I'm going to preach the real gospel until people hear the real gospel and come to Christ. Because this gospel that's being preached today makes them trust their self. That's what it does. Oh, oh, I just believe in Christ. And when you ask these same people who believe this gospel, and you say, well, how come you're going to heaven? They, they say things like this. Well, I'm basically a good person. You know, I, I, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm basically a good person. You, you didn't, do you understand the gospel that you profess to believe in? Because the gospel is not about how good I am. The gospel is about Christ and how he saved me, how he redeemed me. The only way I get to heaven is by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony because I have been changed. Right? Woo. And you can tell when people really know Christ because their answer to that question is I'm dreadfully lost without Jesus Christ. I'm undone. I'm broken. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a sinner bound for hell if I don't have him. That's the real answer. Not I'm basically a good person. You can tell they listen to Joe Wallstein. I'm sorry, Joel. God bless you. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want to tell you, Kyle, I remembered this one without having to go to Ephesians first. I always mix up where the fruit of the Spirit and the armor of God are, okay? Sometimes I think that the armor of God's in Galatians when it's not, and the, the, the fruit of the Spirit are in Ephesians when it's not. But they're in the chapter 5 of both books, okay? Galatians 5, starting at verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is... I want you to notice this, because I, I, I titled the last half of this sermon something else. The last half of this sermon is titled... Fruit of knowing Christ. Now I want you to look at this list. This list says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? The first one. What is it, Mike? Love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Why? Because that's how they will know you're my disciples. By the love that you bear one for another. Amen? Love is the principal thing. Amen? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Did you catch that last part? He ties the fruit of the Spirit to being in Christ. Look at this. If we live by the Spirit, oh, excuse me, uh, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ, underline it, circle it, draw some arrows by it, put some asterisks by it, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and, with its passions and desires. Amen? Amen? Period. Those who belong to Christ are different. They love different. They have joy that's different. They have peace that's different. They have patience with those who don't know God. They're kind. They're, they have goodness within them, not because of their self, but because they belong to Christ. They're self-controlled, gentle, faithful. Amen? Let me, look, I, I just, Mm -hmm. can, I, can I harp on a little something for a second? It's just a pastor's pet peeve, okay? But it's hard for me to go, you really got the faithful spirit when I don't see you. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. When you're not here, it's hard for me to go, yep, they got that through the spirit. Just saying, right? Let's be for real. 
All right, I'm going to move on. The next fruit, obviously, we're going to go to John 13, 35. John 13, 35. I'm going to go through these last few verses pretty quickly, okay? Can I get amen on that? Ruth's like, hurry up, Pastor. <laughs> Rose is cooking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, they have love one for another. And I quoted this already, right? By this shall all men know. Now, the, I've quoted in King James, okay? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, the love that you bear one for another. Amen? That's the first fruit of the Spirit, too, isn't it? Love. Amen? What's the greatest commandment? If you guys haven't figured it out, the whole theme of the church is set up on the two greatest commandments. The two commandments that all the law, all the prophets hang on these two things. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the law, all the prophets hang on these two things. And then he went a step further and said all the law hung on love. Go figure that. Love. 1 John 4, 7 through 16. I'm not going there either. 1 John 4, 7 through 16 speaks emphatically that those who are born of God love their brothers, love their sisters. I'll go a step further. Jesus said, love your enemies. Amen. Pray for them that despitefully use and persecute you. If you're, if, if you're sued at the law and they, they want to take your coat, give them your shirt. Amen? If you're compelled to go a mile, go two miles. If, can, can I, that's love. Love does that. Nobody who's walking in love is going to say, well, I'll take this big old heavy load for you halfway there and just let you figure it out after that. Amen? What if Jesus did that with your salvation? He said, I'm just going to take this about halfway to the throne. You can pick it up and take it the rest of the way. The problem is you don't have the capacity to carry it. Amen? And you'd be stuck You'd be no better off than when it started. But that's not how God's love operates. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that work. Can I get an amen on that? John 14, 15. This is very important because now we're talking about love for Christ. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know what he says? This is all red letters. If we're reading, if we're reading out of this King James Bible, I got it's red letters, baby. Red letters. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, is he talking about the law? Or is he talking about what he taught? The things he says. Can I get an amen? No, because we're not under the law. We're under grace. Now that doesn't mean murder's okay, because Jesus definitely emphatically taught about that. Jesus also definitely emphatically taught about marriage and Jesus' idea of marriage is one man, one woman, for forever, right? That's Jesus' definition of marriage. Anything outside of that, whether it be uh, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, all of it is contrary to sound doctrine. According to 1 Timothy chapter or 2 Timothy 2. You might have to Google that one and look it up, Mike. Lastly, <laughs> we can look at Mark 12, 30, where he asks what the two greatest where they ask Christ what the two greatest commandments are. Love God, love people. Amen. So we, we see, starting in Galatians, there's a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. This is all evidence that we know Christ. Not just evidence of the Spirit, 
but evidence that we know Christ. Because if you go and read what Galatians said, it says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Amen? Now, here's where I'm going with all of this, okay? The point, that, the point of this sermon was that God called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldeans so that he could get him into the land of promise and then he could go from just being the, uh, oh, excuse me, I forgot this already. I just preached about it the other day. He went from being the exalted father, which is what Abram means, to being the father of the multitude, which is what Abraham means. Amen? We understand that God had to get him out of his own country, out of his own kinship, out away from his own father, and into the land that God had planned for Abraham to overtake, to settle in, that his lineage would go all the way down to Christ so that God's plan of redemption could happen. And according to Isaiah, or excuse me, according to Job 42 and 2, that plan was never going to be thwarted anyway. Amen? But God, take him out of there because he had to get him over here. The call, the gospel call doesn't just holler at you and say, hey, do you believe? Yep, I believe. I'm going to stay right here. Okay, good. That's not the gospel call. Amen? The gospel call is to come out from among them. Be ye separate. Amen? Let's go to, you don't have to turn there because I'm just going to tell you what it says anyway, okay? But you can make sure I'm telling you the truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the born again experience. This is the called out experience. Where I'm not, I'm not just left where I was. I'm not just, uh, uh, it ain't just like a flyby where he's, you know, when I was growing up, there was a man called the, 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 the Tootsie Roll Man. He had an airplane, and he'd fly over the farm, and he'd drop Tootsie Rolls with little parachutes on them. That's the plane, okay? Jesus doesn't do that with the gospel. He doesn't just leave you out there at the farm with your Tootsie Roll. He gets you on the plane, and he takes you to a different place. Amen? What's the promise to Moses? A land flowing with milk and honey, right? That was the promise. Now, we talked about this, but all Moses was doing was taking the people of Israel back to where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had already been living. Amen? All right, I'm going to get through this. we got just a couple more. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This is very important, so I'm going to turn it. Okay. I think this is the last one that I'm actually going to turn to. <laughs> this is the last one that I'm actually going to physically turn the Bible there. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter six. Now this one should dispel all doubts that I can just remain like I am. Okay. Huh. <laughs> Do not, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, he asks some questions here. These questions are very important, and we don't need to put them off. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what Portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me. Says the Lord Almighty. This is important. God does not give the gospel call. That leaves bound up sinners in darkness. 
Amen? Ephesians says that he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. It might be Philippians. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm, if I mixed it up, okay? But Ephesians chapter 2 starts out, but you who were dead in your trespasses and sin. I like the King James because they use this fancy word, hath he quickened. If you don't know what that means, it means made alive. And that word made alive isn't, oh, you done this and oh, you done that. No, this is God came along and he woke your heart up and all of a sudden you went, oh, I need you. That's what happens to everybody. That's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to Shirley. Amen. God found me. Even when I thought I knew him. Even when I pretended like I was there. <laughs> I'll preach that some other night. But Ephesians, this, none of this, none of what I've said changes Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? That's, we are saved by grace through faith. That is it. We don't bring anything good to the table, okay? Whatever we bring to the table is our sin and our need to be saved. That's what I bring to the table. Amen? How do I get this? Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus looked at that woman at the well. Remember? Looked at that woman at the well and said, If you knew the gift of God, and he who it is had asked you for a drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. So tonight, as I'm preaching this message, the gospel call is to whoever believes. Amen? But that gospel call is not just a call that says, oh, all you have to do is believe. That's not all you have to do, brother. You have to die to yourself. You got to live for Christ. You got to realize that you are no longer your own. You have been bought with a price. Amen? How do I get there, Pastor? Romans 10, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. The Bible says that if I believe in my heart upon the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with my mouth that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. For with the mouth, or for with the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Tonight I don't want to preach the gospel that the world, the, the worldly church is preaching that says, oh, you're just fine the way you are. No, you're not. You need Christ. I got news for every Christian. Even Christians need Christ. A Christian who's truly born again wakes up every day knowing that today I could do some really stupid things. I could... I could say dumb things, do dumb things, and except for the grace of God. Amen? We need that. That's why it's important to go to church, because there's accountability at church. You know why people stop going to church most of the time? Because they start doing things that they know people at church would go, hey, don't do that. Right? So they stay home, so they can do that and not feel... Oh, I feel condemned if I go to church. Okay? Maybe it's because the things you're doing aren't biblical and you say you're a Christian. Right? Come on, I've been there. I ain't even going to pretend like I didn't. I've been there. But the reality that we need to preach the gospel right and understand that the call of Abraham was the same call of the gospel. Follow me. Believe in me. If you do, he will not 
put you to shame. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Father God, we have poured over the scriptures concerning the gospel call tonight, God. We know, God, that your gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. God, we ask that tonight, if there was anybody watching on Facebook, if there's anybody that, that will listen to the podcast, if there's anybody in this room, God, who did not know you before they came in here, God, I pray that this message convicted their heart. I pray that it spoke to their spirit, God. I pray that you used it, God, by your spirit to speak to the heart of every single person watching. I pray that the Holy Spirit convicted hearts. I pray that... Father God, you called and wooed and drew all those who would believe to faith in Christ. That they have come to drink from the waters of life freely. That they are willing to lay down their life, take up their cross and follow this Jesus. God, I pray that if anyone done that, Lord, that they would find a good church, that they would attend there, that they would stay there, that they would grow there, and that they would serve there for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that this message is heard by every member who possibly can hear this message, that it would convict them that they should not just preach the gospel but live the gospel, that it would be evident in their life that the fruit would be evidenced in their life. God, we ask that you would help us tonight as we leave this place. Help us to walk in remembrance of these things. Help us to hold your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.